0: Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen, and with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com/slash-with-amex.
1: I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started the Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to the Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: This is Hardwood Handicappers, VEASAN's premier NBA betting podcast. All right, folks, what's up? Welcome in. After a couple of days off, I'm back here on Hardwood Handicappers. Zach Cohen is alongside as well. The reason why I was off, well, I was in transit on Tuesday, was flying out to, actually, I was in transit on both days, flew out to Phoenix to check out the guaranteed rate bowl between Kansas and UNLV. Uh, for those who maybe don't know, part-time, I work at ESPN Las Vegas. I am the part-time co-host of the Afternoon Drive program, also help cover UNLV athletics, both football and basketball. So I uh, wanted to go out for the first bowl game for the program since 2013, and wanted to potentially watch them win their first bowl since 2000. Not the case, Uh, but I think the program's heading in the right direction. But I I wanted to open up with that because I don't want to talk about UNLV football. I could bore you with the details of how the program's getting built, but I don't think anybody cares on a basketball podcast. I bring it up because Zach Cohen is here, and Zach Cohen resides in the wonderful city of Phoenix, Arizona. I did not get to see him. Day trips are like that. It gets pretty hectic. But I got to explore Phoenix for a little bit, and uh, Zach, what a wonderful city.
3: Yeah, you. I'm glad you liked it. I mean, i i went to the I went to that game last year. It was Wisconsin against Oklahoma State, so I wanted to go see the Badgers. Uh, it was it was too close not to. I, I thought it was really cool. I mean, like it wasn't as packed as uh, as the other bowl games, but Oklahoma State fans actually travel pretty well. Wisconsin fans were there, so I thought it was a really cool place to watch a football game.
2: Uh, I loved it. Uh, and look, I always say this too because I am um I am of the the pampered elite. So I watched it from the comfy setting of the press box as opposed to like out there with the unwashed masses. Uh, And by the way, shout out to the folks who work at the Arizona Diamondbacks, because that was one of the best media experiences I've ever had. Uh, Very nice, very nice people. But I got to tell you, I walked around and checked it out. And so my wife and I in the summers, once the basketball season's over, we'll take a trip to go to a city. And one of the things that we like to do at the city, like we do things for each of us. One of the things that I like to do is check out the baseball park in that city over the Mm -hmm. summer. So, uh, last year, where did we go last year? We went to San Francisco last year, year before that, we were in San Diego. We're like kind of checking off all of the California boxes, right? We went to go see the angels the year before that. Um, I think for me, I'm going to suggest chase field this year. Cause I want to check out a baseball game there. That venue was awesome. Like there's, yeah. there's not bad sight lines at all. Like the park looks really, really nice. Now the downtown area is the question that I have because it is right there. And the Caesar sports book looked great. And we went to Willie's, which is right there, like right across from it, a little uh, Mexican cantina right next to the Suns Arena. Mm -hmm. Having said that, Zach, I was getting kicked out of bars at 1145. I I don't know what's going on. Like we're last call. I've never heard those words before ever in my in real life. Like I've read books and fantasies about like last call and whatever that meant. It was only two o'clock in the morning and we went to some Irish pub and they're like citing Arizona law kicking us (laughs) out. I was like, what is happening?
3: Yeah, I, I'm not from here, so it's not like I have the most experience in the world. I moved here from New York like three years ago. But, you know, the, the downtown area isn't as li- like lively as other downtown areas. It's also, you know, it's, it's gotten nicer over the years, but it was definitely like a more, you know, I'd say a seedier area a few years mm-hmm. ago. Um, but when it's a game day, like especially when the Suns are playing, it gets pretty cool. But, yeah, that's an early time to uh, stop and <laughs> just to kick people out of bars. Did you end up going
2: to Matt's Big Breakfast? Uh, at the airport, actually, okay. I, did. I did not go to the one downtown. Um, it was good. I thought it was good. I liked the pancake. I can understand. So, what is it? PJ Tucker's favorite pancake?
3: Yeah, PJ Tucker is like like a like a Dave Portnoy for pizza. He goes and gets a like a pancake everywhere he goes, and, and he's a huge pancake guy. He says that Matt's big breakfast is the best pancake he's ever had
2: really yeah interesting it was a really good pancake so i can't like i can't i also think that i probably i would assume it's subpar because airport fare is just not great in general yeah um but i really liked it so i'm when i go back i'm gonna try it but i'm definitely gonna try to convince my wife to go down there because i want to explore the town more um my grandmother lived in arizona for a long time but it was this tiny town called duncan arizona which is, like, on the border of New Mexico and Arizona. It's, like, oh, all yeah. the way out there. Uh, one street light. So, like, we're talking, like, a really small town. <laughs> so, I, I do, like, I've been to Phoenix a couple of times, been to Arizona a bunch, but more, like, the Tucson area. But I'm, we're going to go back. And I will say, as little time as I had to explore the city, I did get it in. Uh, I got absolutely blasted at that t- at Willie's, and uh, ended up putting in a, um, a same-game parlay for the English Premier League that I realized <laughs> an hour ago. I was like, hey, did I even hit that thing? And I did. Oh, so nice. yes. So this is, I got to say, and I'll bring this to the sports betting really quickly. First off, as we know, the Arizona stuff is awesome. The second I landed, fired up the FanDuel things like, uh, and my accounts, they're all linked. So the one that I had signed up for New Jersey, I just had to log in, deposit money, started betting right away. The underrated aspect of it is I just this morning withdrew the money from Nevada because you could still do that. So that's oh. an awesome thing. The future is de- it's, the sports betting stuff in terms of the logistics is, is great. Like we can talk about, right, the conversations about limiting ball all that kind of stuff. But the actual logistics of being able to do it, pull it off, and what's offered, oh, it's it's absolutely brilliant out there in Arizona.
3: Yeah, I, we have a lot of books out here. I mean, I feel like the only place that like rivals us is like Colorado or something. But, yeah, there's a lot of options. Yes. I, it's tough in Vegas, which is crazy. It's like you'd think it'd be the easiest one, but it's, it is tough in Vegas. It's really easy here.
2: Uh, as I always say, you have to go to the actual book. You've got to give them your name, your social security number, semen and blood samples, (laughs) like everything, everything possible to sign up for an account. It's absolutely archaic, but um, it was a good time. It was a good time. And I'm bummed that I didn't get to see you, but I think you'll be able to come. You said you're coming out here at some point, right?
3: Yeah, I'm going to come out to Vegas at some point in the next month or so.
2: There we go. All right. So I'll be I'm not going anywhere. Um, Not until the summer. My (laughs) wife, when I landed yesterday, was like, you're not going anywhere again. I was like, all right, cool. It's good, you're coming, out of the way.
3: it's good you're coming to arizona in the summer too everyone loves to come here in the summer
2: <laughs> I, you know i grew up at las vegas i think i i can handle it a little bit better probably than most you know what i mean in yeah. terms of like the heat uh, i will say the last time i went to arizona in the summer again speaking with my flirtations with the arizona and the phoenix area uh, a buddy of mine in i think we were like 17 18 uh it was one summer we were like bro let's go to warp tour so we just hopped oh, yeah. in his car and we drove to warp tour and like you know what i mean and went out there and. Uh, It was a long time ago. Uh, Shout out John Friedel, who I have not talked to for a few years. So hopefully you're doing well. Uh, All right. So with that, we rewind last night, uh, NBA action. Uh, We always talk about what we watched. Uh, I wanted to steal the spotlight for a second because I did watch a pretty interesting game. uh, Oklahoma City taking on the New York Knicks. I was on the NBA bet stream last night. So this is one I watched in detail yesterday. And I think for me, the big takeaway was, Zach, is, you know, we talked about this on the broadcast. I brought this up. OKC is now, I believe, twenty and nine against the spread this season. Since the start of the 2021 2022 season, they are covering this team over sixty percent of their games. Think about that. The last two and a quarter seasons, they are averaging two and a third. They are they're covering over sixty percent of their games. And again, last night, you know, I, I bet OKC last night. It was in the column and talked about in the broadcast and um, and bet the game over. But one of the things that I harped on was like. I just don't know why the market thinks that they're barely a half point better to an equal with the New York Knicks. Like they're they're better than them, and the market has shown this weird hesitation with Oklahoma City to power rate them on the level of like Golden State or power rate them on the level of I mean, shoot, dare I say, um, the Minnesota Timberwolves? Right? Like they they just there has been this hesitancy, and I was watched that last night in a game in which whenever Shea was on the floor. They just ran away with it. They were, they distanced themselves with these. There was a position that in the first half when he took his first break, the Knicks cut it back down. They tied it eventually. But whenever Shea was out there, they absolutely ran away with it. I think we should start just betting OKC every night until we start to see them power rated on par with like Minnesota and I would maybe even argue Denver. Like it's insane how undervalued this team still is. Yeah, on Christmas Day, like I know that it didn't end up working out, but I thought that the line was
3: weird. I thought that they should have been favored by more than three against the Lakers. The next night, I said to Kelly, like I, I thought two was two, two and a half was light for a home game against the Timberwolves. I just think that like these teams are they're on their level, so the home court should mean more than this. Um, completely agree with you. I, I think that they're not being rated properly. Uh, I ended up getting some good numbers on Jalen Williams last night to go over his point totals. Uh, he had an awesome game. I hit an alternate uh, over 19 and a half for like plus 160. I wish that I had the cojones to go uh, over. Uh, what was it? Yeah, it was like it was, over 25 was plus 500.
2: Wow, really? Yeah. Well, he Yeah, would have hit that. Yeah, um, he was nuts. I mean, I think, was he perfect from three? He ended up finishing perfect, right? Was he five for yep. five from three point range? Um, he Yeah, he, he's been awesome. I mean, he's kind of like their guy in the non-shame <laughs> minutes too that kind of keeps him afloat for a little bit. Um, which is pretty good. Like, I like I do watch Thunder games, but watching it in detail, right, like being part of the broadcast and, and watching almost every – try to watch every single minute thing that's happening. Um, You know, him as a shot creator is something that I have not really – has not really registered with me. It's been pretty incredible to watch uh, him in terms of his offense and the way he can create his own shot and score on his own in isolation. It's been pretty fun to watch. So he's averaging 18 points, shooting 52% from the floor, 42% from three, um, and essentially like minutes are kind of the same. He averaged 30 minutes last year, 31.9 this year, his three point attempts are up. He averaged 2.7 last year. He's averaging 3.1 this year shot attempts. He's taken three more. So I, I somebody called me yesterday and we were talking about this. Is there anything to bet with Jalen Williams? Cause this is the other part of what I wanted to bring up yesterday. Like he's a second year guy, so he can't win most improved. It just, it feels crazy to look at this guy and the season he's having. And like, there's nothing, I want to bet something with him, but I just don't (laughs) think there's anything there for him.
3: I don't think you can. I I think the only thing you can do is just kind of be bullish on the thunder under the premise that, you know, he's that he's a borderline, not a borderline all-star or close to that or something. Be like, you know, he's better than the average person thinks, which makes the thunder a more dangerous team than they are.
2: Yep. So that leads me to my last point on that game yesterday. They are the Thunder, about six to one to win that division. We're not looking like—is that really that insurmountable? They're only two and a half games back from Minnesota. Actually, might now be one and a half. They've obviously got the win over Minnesota. They're four and two in the division. I mean, it seems like a pretty hefty price. I, I get the assumption of how this division is going to play out is eventually Denver's going to take it, but given the way that everything's going, they got a big one with Denver coming up tomorrow. Six to one seems like something worth looking at here to win that division. Yeah, that's
3: not a terrible bet. Only only because like they're going to take the regular season as seriously as anyone, possibly more right. seriously than any of the other teams. So I do think that that is a pretty decent price.
2: Right. Where well, I mean and that was last night. So let me double check to see if that's still sitting where it's at right now. Um yeah, play, it moved last yesterday after yesterday's win to plus 475. I still think that's a playable number to win that yeah. division for Oklahoma City. Now you can also look at odds to uh, win the one seed because as shocking as it might seem for the Northwest division, but it does seem very likely that the winner of the Northwest is probably going to be the one seed. Do you think that's pretty fair, right?
3: Yeah, uh, it's, it seems very possible.
2: Yep. So just some things that came out of that game yesterday. What'd you watch yesterday?
3: I only ended up watching the sun's game. I was out for dinner. uh got back watched the sun's. That was, you know, finally they played a really good game. I, right. I said to Kelly, in watching the Christmas Day game I actually thought that they looked pretty good offensively against Dallas just missed a ton of open looks but I thought it was the best they've looked in terms of moving the ball around and generating open shots and then there was just a really really locked in version of Durant last night um defense looked good too and I and I kind of liked today I I saw Sham's kind of like threw ice on the uh, the Woj the Woj statements about Durant because Wojes made some you know wild claims about Durant not even wild he said that he's disappointed and a guy like Woj can't say that without people thinking it means that Durant's gonna you know request a trade he was he was just kind of speculating on his general feeling about where things are but like of course he's disappointed like they were they were under 500 I think that Shams was like yeah no that's just a general feeling around the team like he's not unhappy in Phoenix he doesn't want to trade he's just not happy with the way they're playing
2: uh, 100% and it's unfair. You know, it's funny when I, when I saw those comments from Woj, I had two thoughts. The first of which is immediately, and this is why it's unfair. My first thought is, is he really doing this again? Right. <laughs> and then immediately I thought, well, wait a minute. No, like, yeah, no, no bleep. He's disappointed. Yeah. I'd be disappointed too. And like, if you're actually looking at this logically, like, of course, he's going to be upset too, because Beale hasn't been healthy and their team is thin. Like for, for Woj to throw out there. And like you said, to kind of speculate. Well, KD's unhappy because of the state of the roster. We're like, well, no, like that's completely yeah. unfair. Like you you have three guys that make this roster top heavy. Of course, the depth is going to be thin. This doesn't make any sense that he would express frustration in this way. And yep. I was like, there's no way that this is something that's actually coming out of Kevin Durant.
3: And, and and Rose should be allowed to say how he feels. But it was like he threw in a line at the end where he's like, they're running out of time, and then and that made it seem like. Durant's right. a ticking time bomb, waiting to waiting to request a trade. So that's where it gets like a little reckless on his part, knowing his platform and you know just what he does. Like I thought it was a little crazy just to hear him say that. And then yeah, I, I thought Durant responded to something on Instagram. He was like, "No, like I'm just mad we're losing." <laughs> yep. Uh,
2: all right. Yep. Yesterday too, no real big takeaways from the other games. I didn't get to watch too much. Uh, Philly, I would say that point. I'll point that out. The wins in a spot against Orlando that the market was in against them on. Uh, the Bucks win and cover in a really big way against uh, the G League Brooklyn Nets, and uh, Cleveland ends up scoring a big win over Dallas despite having literally no guards available, which I thought was uh, kind of crazy. All right, let's take a break here. We'll come back, and we'll discuss the card that will be, including, oh, boy. You see, everybody thinks now it's a fun time to focus on the Detroit Pistons. We've been here since day <laughs> one. We watched since the
0: 2-1 start. You guys don't get to have fun like we do. Here are three reasons Zinn is America's number one nicotine pouch. We use food-grade ingredients. We have a wide selection of varieties, and they all come in two strengths. Find Zinn at a store near you. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical.
2: Celtics. Open up a 17-point favorites, total of 232-and-a-half. Zach at home against the Detroit Pistons. They open up Land 17 despite questionable tags before for both Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. This is where the Pistons are at. They got very, very lucky. So in the press box at Chase Field, when I was watching the Guaranteed Rate Bowl, on my laptop I had Pistons and Nets. And I watched Mikhail Bridges and the Nets miss free throw after free throw to allow the Pistons to cover that game, and yet still they lost Detroit catching 17 and a half. This did tempt me, but I can't do it. I cannot do it because the Celtics do have the capabilities, if both Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum play, if they so choose, to blow the absolute doors off the Pistons.
3: Yeah, I also I also consider playing the under, but like just watching the Pistons play there are too many possessions where they just give the ball up. It goes the other way for a layup very quickly. Like it's hard to even play their totals because of how sloppy they are. So I wanted to play the under and I ended up not doing it. And I agree with you. Like it's getting to the point where it's tempting to take them at 17. You know, it's going to end up getting to the point where they're getting 20 against good teams. I, I just, I can't take them. There's just really no situation. I think that, I said something to Kelly about like like these games against the Nets the other night where it's like a five to seven point spread. I think that's going to be the type of game that they win outright eventually. Yeah. So maybe I'll be on those, but
2: these ones are the types of,
3: like they' there's no chance they win these types of games and they're gonna they're probably gonna get blown out.
2: The um it's seventeen and a half now. Again, both Tatum and Brown are questionable. Do we see twenty here if they're both ruled active? Does it get to twenty tonight?
3: So I think that the latest injury report Tatum is available.
2: Okay. All right. And uh, I think Brown is out. Okay. All right. So I haven't seen, I haven't checked since uh, probably about an hour or so. All right. So, but I think sense. having circa is at 16 and a half right now.
3: Yeah. But I think having one of them is enough. Like I I, I just think if both didn't play, then you're looking and at,
2: a, you <laughs> I don't are even know correct. what the line would have been. Latest one Tatum available and Jalen Brown out. So there you go. Yeah. If both had played, that's what I thought. Like if both were going to rule that you'd be ruled in, I was expecting like maybe like nineteen and a half, and then you yeah. could get to twenty if the market's coming in. Uh, I saw our corporate overlords over at DraftKings tweeted out that the the most popular money line bet tonight. I'll let you guess is
3: <laughs> they, they put the they the, the Celtics in the parlays.
2: No Pistons. Oh, Everybody's, okay. That's because everybody sees nine to one, and they're just yeah. Oh, just
3: okay, I thought driving. you were going to say part of people were just throwing the Celtics in the parlays wildly.
2: I'm but... sure the Celtics are probably yeah. like the, you know the the cherry on top of a lot of parlays today. Uh, When you need one more, just throw on the, just throw on the, uh, the Celtics, but now the Pistons are um, the most popular money line bet in the NBA, excuse me today. Uh, not, not surprising though. People just want to get some bang for their buck. People um, are going to do that all year and they're going to keep, <laughs> they're going to keep losing until they get it. Yeah. Until they get it. Uh, all right. Any other thoughts on this one before we move on?
3: No, I got nothing. I mean, I would have been interested to see what the spread would have been if Tatum and Brown were both out but I would have expected the Pistons to still get blown out. It would have been another one where like people were like, oh, maybe this is it. They'll beat them because the two stars are out, and they would have gotten gilled anyway.
2: Oh, just, yeah, still gotten absolutely wrecked. <laughs> yeah. no, no shot. Next up, Dallas on the road against Minnesota. Minnesota up to a 13, half point favorite, total 226.5. Uh, obviously, the real question here is whether or not Luka Doncic is going to play. Uh, I haven't seen anything official unless I missed something in the press conference yesterday. I don't know if you saw something. I mean, this is clearly a number that is expecting Luka Doncic to not play tonight against the Minnesota Timberwolves. So I do have a bet in this game. um, And I do think situationally we should set the scene. It's a brutal spot for the Dallas Mavericks. Third game of four nights, second leg of a back-to-back. And I noted in my column when I wrote this up, Zach, um, the workload that Luka Doncic has had to play has been tremendous. He's averaging 39.8 minutes per game since Kyrie's gone down. He's crossed the 40-minute threshold multiple times since Irving's been hurt. His usage rate was just under 40% at about 39.2. Now it's at 41.2%. It's nearly half of the possessions just running through him. It's absolutely insane, the workload that he's had. And you saw yesterday, too, where Jason Kidd actually tried to give him extended rest in the end of the game because they're just asking so much of him. If there was a situation to kind of speculate and try to get ahead of, Luka Doncic is not going to play. It was it was going to be this game. So I bet under 108.5 team total for Dallas. I don't expect him to be out there. You know, you've mentioned what Dallas looks like without him. They have more defensive-oriented guys out there. I flirted with betting the game under as well, especially because Carl Anthony Towns might not play. Um, he's questionable. And if Towns doesn't play, it doesn't hurt me at all because they actually get better defensively Minnesota does without him on the floor. I think everything screams rock fight for Dallas tonight. And even if Doncic does play, I wouldn't really hate it too much because, again, situationally, I could see this team running out of gas in the second half given the scheduling stretch that they've been on.
3: Yeah, I'm with you. And I think there was also speculation that Kyrie was potentially going to return today. But this spread suggests that both of them are going to be out. So yes, yeah, I, I think that if those guys are not out there, there's not enough offensive creation on the roster. I mean, Hardy can only do so much. If it's, I don't even know. I think it's a, it's a brutal spot. Uh, and I do think the Timberwolves, we sh- we saw them completely locked down on this Dallas team the second half the last time they played yep. clearly figured something out. And I think that that will continue here.
2: And by the way, that was a similar situation. I believe that was second leg of a back-to-back third game four nights for Dallas as well. So that was, that was part of that stretch. Remember, they had played. They played like Memphis. Then they played the Los Angeles Lakers. And then they came back on the second leg of the back-to-back and were playing them. So similar situation, as you mentioned. Second half was a nightmare for them. And I would think if Kyrie's ready to come back, the two spots, right, on the road against Cleveland that doesn't have Donovan Mitchell or Darius Garland or on the road against Minnesota, the best defensive team in the NBA where you're going to have to really work. I feel like the spot is to bring him back against Cleveland.
3: I think so, but I think they probably they're, they're going to hold Luca and they're just going to say let's get Kyrie an extra
2: couple of days and bring him back in a few days. Yep, I I think that is probably uh what's uh what, you what do you watch uh what is it Mandalorian? What is it? This is the way. I don't watch right, Mandalorian. All my friends what? I should though. <laughs> it's it's solid. I mean, I'm not a anybody out there. Relax. I'm not like a hardcore Star Wars nerd. I'm not like <laughs> some of those people, but it's a solid show. Solid show. Next, Utah on the road against New Orleans. New Orleans upwards of an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. Total open 237-and-a-half for up to 240. Uh, I know and you're right, up you had this, but you were waiting for something. So what uh, What are you watching here in Utah New Orleans?
3: I ended up actually just adding it a few minutes before we came okay. on here. I have Jordan Clarkson over 16-and-a-half points, and then I played an alternate uh, of 20-plus at plus 150. I just think that he's been playing really well offensively lately, uh, hitting that number with ease two games in a row. And now I think he's playing a Pelicans team that does not defend the rim very well. Uh, he's a really good driver of the basketball. So I think he's going to get some good shots at the rim. And then I also think you could trust him to hit a couple of threes a game, honestly, two or three a game. So I thought that this was a pretty light number, especially in a game with a high total. Um, so I played, yeah, I played the over at a, at a regular unit and then I put half unit on the alternate one, which I've been having a little bit of success with lately.
2: Yep. I, uh, I don't disagree with that. And this is one I'm very interested in watching only because, you know, I've, I've tried to watch a little bit more of new Orleans recently, um, they've been on a little bit of a scuffle here. Three out of the last four that they've dropped both straight up and against the spread. Um, and two of those games have been blown leads to Memphis. Like that's kind of the thing that's been troubling for New Orleans. I really watched that game um, the other night. Uh, that was Tuesday, right? Dude, my games are all melting. I
3: hit. Did you see I hit the over 230 in that game, which because of that crazy football at the Dude. end of the game and then the overtime.
2: <laughs> I can't like that. So I was watching that from the press box too. And like, I think I even tweeted it out. It, it it took twenty minutes to get through the last one and a half seconds of regulation.
3: Yeah. Yep, that there was the, the review the uh, play before. Yeah,
2: yes. So, that well, good for you. The good that you got that thing over because then it, it's funny because I had Memphis in that game, and I was like, dude, he's going to they're going to hit. He's going to split the free throws because then that would have put him in overtime, and then Memphis is going to get run out in overtime. I was like, <laughs> I know this is going to happen, uh, but no, it was actually the other way around. And now again, John Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies. Oh boy. 4 and 0 straight up and against the spread since he's yeah. come back we'll talk about them though. We'll talk Yeah, about we
3: them we should but we should note before we move to the next game is that Utah's like quietly 6 and 2 both straight up and against the spread in their last 8 games. Kind of playing that same similar brand of competitive basketball they did last year where, you know, they're, they're a good offensive team, they hit the offensive glass insanely hard, uh, and I think they're the type of team that you just do not want to play and you don't want to be laying this many points against them. I thought I didn't end up taking it. I just thought that this spread was pretty big.
2: Yep. Um, I don't yeah, I don't disagree. Don't disagree at all. All right, before we take, you know what, no, because we're gonna have two games that we're gonna spend some time on here. So let's take our last break. We'll come back, and two of the I think the more fascinating games on the card tonight includes, I think, a team, and I know that Zach's been riding this train that continues to be undervalued against a team that continues to be overvalued. And does the streak snap tonight in Denver for the Memphis Grizzlies? This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen.
0: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: All right, I'll give you the floor. You and I share a play here, uh, but I'll let you break this thing down and uh, add some sprinkles on top if there's anything. But Indiana opens up as a two and a half point favor, total of 240 and a half on the road against Chicago. Now this is the interesting part. And again, one and a half is not the biggest move ever, but one and a half are across the board, save for one spot here stateside, that'd be Circa which is at pick and that does circuit generally is kind of an indicator. They're not the sharpest NBA book, but their patterns will tend to lean toward, Hey, the respected money is coming in this direction. Mm -hmm. So the fact that circus hit that pick and everywhere else is at one and a half gives you an idea. I think of where this number eventually ends up, but uh, Zach, what do you see here between Indiana and Chicago?
3: Yeah. So I took Chicago plus one and a half. I, I thought that the wrong team was favored. So I'd be fine with taking Chicago minus one and a half or minus two. If I had to, I think, You know, what we've seen from the Bulls lately, I don't think you could call it a fluke anymore. They're 11-2 against the spread in their last 13 games. I thought, you know, there was some concern with Nikola Vucevic going out with an injury. I think he's going to be out for another week or two. But Andre Drummond stepped in and had 24 points and 25 boards, played a really good game on both ends of the floor, looked really energized, uh, gave them just kind of a dominant man in the middle. And I think that that's going to be big against the Pacers because I think, you know, he could throw around his body weight with Miles Turner tonight. Um, And I just thought, it was interesting, like like they beat a team that I think is almost identical to the Pacers the other night by five. I think that the Hawks and Pacers at this point are like mirror images of one another. So I think that I just trust a team like Chicago that's around league average in both offense and defense over a team that only plays one end of the floor at a high level. Yep. So I was on the wrong side of the Pacers against the Rockets the other night. I think that was because of some ridiculous shot making by, by the Pacers. I don't think you're going to see that again tonight. And I think that you could trust Chicago at home in this spot with the way they're playing.
2: Yeah. The way I put it in the article was this is a number grab that I'm just going to make a hundred times out of a hundred. Yeah. You know, like you said, like from a power rating standpoint, even with the Vucevic injury, these two teams are near equals to one another. And so if we're going to talk about home court being worth two and a half points, this number should be Chicago, like minus two and a half. And, If I'll put it to anybody listening, we'll put it to a different perspective. I always think this kind of helps on a neutral. We're talking about now um, the Bulls catching four and in Indiana catching six and a half. Like, I I just don't think that gap is there between these two teams. And when you don't play defense, I just don't think you deserve to be a favorite on the road against a similarly rated opponent. So I know that you've been on this train, as you mentioned, for Chicago for a while. I wanted to give you the floor, but for me, it was just watching Chicago play the way they are, watching the way they're playing on offense, and just the small decline of Indiana over the last nine games as you mentioned. I think it's just worth just grabbing it. So I bet money line. I know that you went, what, a couple units on uh, plus one and a half, but either way, we are on the same side here. And uh, our, by the way, we should note, I have to go back and look, our friendship plays are pretty strong. Like yeah, when think- we're on the same wavelength, I think we were both on Phoenix yesterday, uh, that uh, we tend to have a good showing, we'll say.
3: I think so. And another thing with Chicago is I I noted in my story, like I don't think that they're being rated properly for what we've seen in the run. Like they should be treated as two different teams, the team with Levine and the team without Levine. And I don't think they are. Like I don't think that the numbers that we've seen over the course of the last 13 games have been accurate when thinking about what they've been.
2: Yep. Next up, Memphis and Denver. This is going to be fascinating. And I got to tell you, so I I was tempted. So somebody who has bet Memphis in every single game it's not like it's 20. I like how I emphasize that uh, in all four games since John Moran has come back. And again here today, Zach, line opens up Denver minus six, gets bet up. We're up to seven and a half now here. So make it a fifth consecutive game in which the market has come in and bet against Memphis. Having said that, I haven't bet this, but I do think that maybe laying six, that might've been the right side, right? Like I do think that we're maybe getting to the point where you start to play against Memphis here. Um, at least in spots like this, because you're on the road in altitude right against Denver. Memphis has been playing quite a bit of basketball. I think that is this going to be their third game in four nights. I got to double check that. I want to say yes, but that might be the case. um, For They had a pretty big
3: break in between the Atlanta and New Orleans games.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Um, You're right. They had two days off in between, so it is not them that I'm thinking of. So I, I think, and you know what I am, I'm thinking of, the Memphis is actually going to play their third game in four nights against the Clippers on the road. Mm. That's what I'm thinking of. That's coming up after this. Um, so anyway, I do think we're probably at a point where like the market's getting that right. Because here's the thing. I don't think I'm coming in and laying seven and a half. I think this is probably right where it should be. Opener of six, though, I can totally understand coming in and betting that thing down. Because now you're getting to the point where, again, we're talking about on a neutral at minus six, that the difference between these two is three and a half points. And while I do think Memphis is much better with John Morant... I don't think the gap is that small between them and the Denver Nuggets. So, again, I got priced out of this. I think that at minus six, that was the play. But it is interesting, again, to see if uh, the market is going to um, finally get it right after betting against John Morant for the last four games.
3: I'm really tempted to take the Grizzlies with plus seven and a half. I, I sure. just think, like, I, there's the weirdness of playing in Denver. That was the, probably the only thing that scared me here. But I do think that they are back to being kind of a top four, top five team in the West. And then there's the Aaron Gordon thing for Denver. Like, like, You're losing one of your best defenders, a good finisher. It's it's a team that I think I was already questioning their depth to begin with. So I do think that there's a world in which this is a one-possession game down the stretch. So I'm kind of leaning towards putting uh, taking the 7.5. I probably am going to add it.
2: Yeah, that's a crazy story for Aaron Gordon. Yeah. Bit by would... a dog, and like, you now he's got lacerations on his hand and face?
3: Yes. That was a real, really wild one. When I saw it, I thought it was fake.
2: This. have we gotten any details or it's just because I've, I've just seen that just dog hand and face like that's it
3: no but it was it was like a woes
2: tweet so It it's like uh <laughs> yeah like, like that's it and yeah. it came out of nowhere i was like holy smoke that must have happened after the christmas game like it must have happened late like that was that's wild yeah i thought i got i thought i got tricked by like a
3: barry mcconacher ball <laughs> sack they, sports yeah
2: yeah ball yeah. Sack sports yeah. so barry it's
3: McTacana. real uh i do think it's going to impact them quite a bit they've also failed to cover in two in a row i don't think they've looked good in either of their last two wins
2: What's it called? Um I think it was uh was it Kelly? I think it was Kelly was producing for Me and Humans one time and there was some breaking NBA news and so he made a tweet out of this years ago and uh threw the tweet up and it was a report from Richard Hard. And I was <laughs>
1: like
2: and I'm reading this and I'm like, Kelly, there's no way that this is real. <laughs> there's thing,
3: there's the no wor- way look at his name. The worst now is there's like these aggregation accounts, and there's like the NBA Central, which is or Hoop Central, which is a big yes. one. And then there's and then a fake simple. one that's like hoop central, yeah. And I, yep. it's like everyone gets tricked by it. And
2: I'm like, yep. oh, this is so. Funny. I like, uh, I do like to cause chaos. I will actually purposely retweet those just to, like, <laughs> just to throw it into the stratosphere. If anybody can get tricked by it, it's, it's pretty oh, funny. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, I do yeah. want to note this as we're talking. By the way, circa just went to Chicago minus two. It's one and a half everywhere else. There's a couple of twos popping up here. So I maybe there is some injury news here for Indiana that's worth looking up. Um, the I the was just looking report. at the. I was just looking at the 1030 report, uh, 1130 for you, and it does not show any big update. So something must have been reported. I mean, Bruce Brown's out, but I don't think that's worth a, right, a a three-and-a-half point swing in another direction. So
3: Yeah, I don't see anything else besides Brown being out that would change anything. But I I would still play it at minus two. I'll just say that.
2: Yes. I mean, like I said, I made it two-and-a-half, so I think that that's something worth uh, looking at. Uh, All right, with that, the rest of the card here, San Antonio on the road against Portland. Portland minus four and a half, totals 236 or 235 and a half. Um, Portland has been playing better big picture overall. And against a team like San Antonio, I don't think it's crazy to say that Portland rates as the better team than the San Antonio Spurs. I think the question really is just at this point, how much better are the Portland Trailblazers than the San Antonio Spurs? And for a team, Tim, I mean, you're looking at it for San Antonio not like a massive bunch of injuries that are out there too. I got to tell you, I I do think that this is a little high, to be honest with you, for Portland. They were in a similar situation against Washington, what, like a week ago. They were laying about – they opened up six, closed four and a half, lost the game outright to the Wizards. Um, That's all. I think it's a little high. Not enough for me to dive in here, but if we're going to get up a little bit higher, like there's some fives popping up, if we get to like five and a half, maybe even six before tip-off, I'll find myself on the Spurs.
3: Yeah, I also thought the Spurs looked a little bit better with that starting lineup change they made last game. Um, But I I don't know. The the Blazers have actually been covering pretty regularly. I think they're 9-6 against the spread their last 15. And Anthony Simons looks great. Uh, And Scoot Henderson had his best game as a pro last game. Uh, Probably the best, you know, just in terms of film, like the closest he's looked to the guy he was projected to be last game. It was pretty awesome to watch.
2: So it's always interesting, and this is a good conversation to have, so you are right. If you look at their last 15 games, they are nine and six against the spread. Um, however, and actually I pointed this out when they played Washington, four of those, co- like a bunch of that covering comes from the last four games in November where they had covered four straight heading into the month of December. Mm-hmm. If you look at December, um, they are, let me see, one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five. They're five and six ATS in the month of December. So how do you balance that, right? You go larger sample size that makes them look more successful or do you go with more recent sample size that says either Portland and the market maybe has gotten a little high. I think it's, a, it's obviously to everybody's difference how you want to look at it. But that's, I think, one thing worth pointing out. That they, big picture, yes, they've been covering more numbers. But if you shrink it down a bit, that has started to pop up with some inconsistencies.
3: Yeah, no, that's completely fair. I mean, the only thing like, I'd, I'd push back is and say, that, like, the Spurs just don't cover. <laughs> so sure, it's, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah like, they've been so bad lately. Um, the, I thought the loss at home against the Jazz was especially concerning. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It, it's, it just hasn't looked good. I, again, it's like, There are lineups on the team that work and they just choose not to play them. So I thought it was weird to begin with that. They even moved Keldon Johnson to the bench and cited like more spacing for Vassal and, uh, and Wembanyama because there are other things they could do to make it all better, but they just are choosing not to. Uh,
2: All right. Two more games left here. Miami on the road against golden state. I think this one's kind of easy to scratch off only because Miami's doing the new England Patriots. Think again, Uh, Jimmy Butler, questionable Kyle Lowry, questionable, Caleb Martin, uh, doubtful. Josh Richardson, doubtful. Duncan Robinson, questionable. Um, I don't know how you really go to bat with anything knowing that the big piece, Jimmy Butler, is questionable and he could get ruled out, he could get ruled in, and this number can go from anywhere from 3.5 to 5.5 or 2 and whatever.
3: Yeah, I, I don't have anything here. I guess the only thing I'd say, though, is I don't think it would move that much if they all play. Like, I don't think it's that off right now. So if you wanted to take a shot on Warriors minus 3.5, I think that's a number they could easily cover even if all of the Heat players play.
2: Sure. I mean, if, 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 if they don't play, where does this get to five and a
3: yeah, half? Yeah, probably five and a half, six. And like, uh, I don't know. Like, I I think that golden state's a better team than Miami. Even this version of the golden state, the playing, playing smaller. I think that they're much better.
2: I tell you what, I can't wait to watch. Cause again, I want to see if this warriors turnaround's real. Cause if the warriors turnaround is real and Jimmy Butler doesn't play, this should be a game that they win easily. Yep. Yeah. I don't think that's going out on a limb. I think they should be able to go out there and, and win with, uh, win with some ease last one charlotte los angeles lakers up to a 12 and a half point favorite total 226 and a half the totals come down from 228 to uh as low as 225 and a half and i know you had something here so the floor is yours yeah i
3: mean i just took the points like i kind of hated doing it because it's really less of a play on charlotte and more of a fade on los angeles i just don't think the lakers can be trusted right now i i, I think it's like almost a shame that they won that game against the thunder because it, yeah it, i i said last time we did this pod i'm like they They're the hardest team in the league for me to read like i I think the like I thought that the thunder was a great bet at minus three in that day and the, like what LeBron went out and played five, the best game of the season, but I do think that generally speaking this Los Angeles team is not very good, so I think it's hard to believe that a team with their offensive issues uh and they i I think they're kind of a middling team defensively I don't think that they're elite in that regard. It's kind of hard to see them winning a game by double digits or at least expecting them to do it
2: yep I think that is uh I think that's uh, all fair. I think that's all fair. <laughs> Sorry, I got something. I got distracted. I was looking at something. Uh all right. That's all card. Anything else? Anything else you want to leave us with? Anything we're looking forward to? Uh
3: not really. I mean, I can't really think of anything. I mean, the MVP race is getting interesting. I I just feel like it's something maybe a conversation for another day, but you know, Abid has separated himself, I think, a little bit from the other two. But at the same time, I think there's still some value in Sheguil just Alexander. I just I, If they finish the top three team, or even like you said, if they end up making a push for one, like I, I don't see yeah. how you leave it out. He's a, he's the exciting new name I think that people would want to see him win.
2: Yep. Uh, I think so, too. It'll be, it'll be pretty fascinating. There's got to be – got to have an awards episode here pretty soon just to kind of rehash everything and, and look at where everything's at because uh, I would agree. And then watching him yesterday, dude, he's just – Dude, he had one move where I can't who was on him? I think it was uh, I think it might have been Julius Randle, where he he's he operates so well in that free throw area, right? And he's and he's got he's facing Julius Randle. He he goes left and his spin move is so tight and compact and fast. And he goes right back right and spins his spin move goes right back right. He finishes with the right hand, like he is so freaking fast. And like I we always say this all the time when evaluating basketball players. I think he is the like, if you ever want to, if you're watching basketball and you want to know what does it mean to get to your spot, watch yeah. Jake Eldridge-Alexander. Yeah. He, he gets to where he wants to be every time. Where he is most comfortable operating, he gets there. He gets there with fluidity and ease. And it's like, how, how does this happen? Like, how does it happen? It's incredible.
3: And, and the reason I kind of brought that up is I, I think he went from, like, plus 800 to plus 550. There was a sizable move with him over the last yeah. couple of days.
2: I mean, the thirty-point games are becoming a regularity. They're winning games. They could be the one seed. They're a fun team. And there was a sequence too yesterday where he gets out. There was a Shay Chet has a ridiculous block. Right, he comes from like the free throw, the uh, like free throw to like three-point line. He comes from there to swat a pl- to swat an attempt at the rim, grabs a rebound, outlet pass to Shea. Shea gets it all the way up, pulls up, and then pulls up from three after a step back and just drains it. And you're just like, dude, this team's so freaking good, man. They're so fun. I don't think there's any reason why like they can't come out of the Western conference. Yeah.
3: There were a lot of complaints uh from my Knicks fans, uh friends about about the coaching at the end of that game, removing quickly and putting RJ Barrett in. When I think quickly was like on fire, the only source he of was offense great. they had. Yeah.
2: That was one too. Sean Little, who was on there with it, he had a great read on that. His point total prop for that game quickly was only like twelve and a half. And he had ten in the first quarter. It was yeah, it was weird. Crazy. But yeah. Oh, that was a conversation too. What do you do with the bench? What do you do with RJ? Because <laughs> there's just a whole lot of empty calories from RJ Barrett. Like there's nothing.
3: Left. He's like the biggest problem there. I think.
2: Yep. I think so. But this is not a next podcast. Yep. Maybe we'll have Sean on. So we can discuss that. One <laughs> All right. With that, like rate review, subscribe. We appreciate it as always. Check out the uh, articles up on the website of com, And we will talk to you tomorrow here on hardwood handicappers.
1: I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States.